Welcome to Grunge vs. All of Reality. Fear, fear, fear. Ain't it just the darndest thing? Oh, one second. We're, we're getting a little creative here. I know this is the voice I normally use for my zany intro, but if you ever caught me live on stream, you would have heard me use it in, in various different uh, instances. And this is sort of me plugging in a way that I am... Uh, a Twitch streamer that streams Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday at 7 p.m. EST currently, and it might change again, but I'll let you know. But all zaniness, all wackiness aside, today's topic is quite serious. Of course, we're going to pump it full of whimsy, moxie, razzmatazz, you know, the works as we do around here with Major Grunge. First, uh, a few little uh, T90 updates, as they say. Uh, I've recently been able to sit down and work out a content strategy for myself, as well as like a long-term business plan. That's sort of in progress. Point being, I, uh, I've been falling back into my routine here in Nashville, Tennessee, a move that I, I did quite recently. And I've sort of been haphazardly uploading podcast episodes as I've been missing weeks here and there. And now moving forward, I, I'm pretty positive I won't be missing any more um, uploads. I'm sort of settled in now. I think actually I'll end up live streaming a lot of the podcasts from here on out, as well as creating video versions. But that'll be, you know, maybe a month out. Well, it depends on how long it takes me to learn some video editing. Because I'm heckin' scared to dive into that course. <laughs> Which brings us to our subject, fear. So, I mean, I felt this was a pretty relevant subject for a few reasons. First of all, fear is is quite possibly one of the largest defining characteristics of the human existence. One of the things that drives us alongside, of course, uh, love, you know, uh, distaste. I don't want to capture the whole body of human emotion here, but you get the point. Fear is a, a big driving force for a lot of people and in many cases a, a preventative force. I'm a big fan of taking risks. I'm a big fan of trying new things, stepping outside of my comfort zone Getting outside of the box, if you will, but truthfully, every time I do this, I'm I'm quite fearful. I think this manifests with me a lot through Twitch. Whenever I'm trying out some new type of content, which I've been doing for a little bit here, I'm always scared that people are going to dislike it or it's going to cause my stream to go downhill. See, Twitch is a bit of a weird platform in that most of it is is the playing of video games, and while there's a lot of creative art, uh, etc. type streams out there, there's still majority of the platform is video game related, right? And so, yeah, I play a game or two, but I've sort of diverged from that path in, in many ways and started creating sort of this separate improv character comedy type thing. And as exciting and fun as it is, it's also quite terrifying. There's a lot of people I know that don't really, uh, that don't really care to see it. A lot of people that would rather see gameplay. And I understand that. But to me, the risk is worth the reward of having creative freedom. I mean, there's a lot of things I want to do in my life. And this is sort of me uh, stepping into that, me allowing myself to do it. And it's already granted me a lot of opportunities, rendering me quite grateful to, uh, <laughs> to be like in the position I am and, and that I took the risks I did and from the moment I first started pressing that go live button from when I start, started releasing this podcast, I suppose. But it does not change the fact that just like I think I said last week, when you look in the mirror, your own worst enemy is looking back at yourself. And in this case, your worst enemy, for this podcast episode at least, is going to be that incarnation of fear, that side of you 
that is scared of perhaps the unknown, perhaps it's scared of a new thing or, or a big step forward in life, understandably so. I mean, I think realistically fear is not necessarily a negative emotion, right? If we think back to our days as, uh, I guess it would be old school humans, early, I guess, Homo erectus, haha, erectus, uh, and in, even into early Homo sapiens, right? Back in our hunter-gatherer days, fear was was what told us when something was wrong. Our fear, our fear was, in a way, something that has, has even sharpened our reflexes over time. I remember hearing a TED Talk once in this bullshit class I had in, uh, I think it was high school, called Theory of Knowledge. But we did watch this one TED Talk that was really interesting where this, uh, I believe it was a sociologist, I'm honestly not sure, was discussing how... If we viewed stress differently as humans, that stress could actually be a benefit because there are some things that stress does to you sort of neurologically that that are, are quite powerful. It can potentially enhance focus um, as well as, I guess, maybe productivity. I wish I, I should have gone back and watched it before this episode. Maybe we'll, we'll I'll watch it and I'll recap it on uh, next week's. But essentially, the idea was that while we perceive stress to be a negative, and it quite often is, in a way, we can kind of weaponize stress in a sense, you know, take it and let it drive us, let it let it fuel our inspirations. And I suppose that's something I, uh, I've been trying to do with fear as well. I think I've generally found that, like, doing something every day that scares you, if you're able to, and I mean, realistically, that's a difficult goal to accomplish, you know? I mean, you don't always get the opportunity to do something every day that scares you, but looking for those things that scare you, looking for those things that are initially quite standoffish, like, I don't know, uh, starting that business you've always wanted to start or getting into a new hobby or maybe uh, maybe make content. That kind of thing can be quite terrifying, but almost definitely quite beneficial to your mind and your existence as well. I mean, think about it like this. Even if you fail, you're going to have a whole other layer of experience under your belt and a whole other perspective that you've developed. I read an article once detailing the benefits of micro-mastery. And so you may be saying to me, Major Grunge, what is micro-mastery? Well, as this article described it, and I'll link it in the show notes, it's on Medium, micro-mastery is the art of learning small new things with a high frequency. Not necessarily becoming the penultimate master, but developing a functional mastery of an individual skill. Maybe it's Adobe Creative Cloud. Maybe it's voice acting, you know, these are examples that I'm, I'm thinking about for myself. The point is putting in a, lar a decent amount of time, not an insane amount of time, no, not a 10,000 hours type of thing, but enough time to where you know this craft or this program or this style of creating relatively inside and out, at least it is as much as you could hope in a, in a smaller to medium period of time. I mean, it, it kind of comes down to this this sort of 80-20 rule, I suppose. And the 80-20 rule is that 80% of the results are generally yielded by 20% of the efforts, right? And so the way I kind of take this here with the whole micro-mastery piece is just this idea that you don't necessarily have to put in an insane amount of time to be really good at something or to be even amazing at something while this, like, kind of dialogue of putting in 10,000 hours to truly master something. Maybe I believe there's probably something to that. And I'm a fan of, um, what's his name? Malcolm Gladwell, who I believe came up with a concept. However, I wonder how much of that 10,000 hours causes the biggest difference, right? 
I think I would argue that more like the first 100 to 200 hours are really where you're developing a lot, like leaps and bounds, if you will. And a lot of the stuff after that is developing nuance that is important for true mastery, but how important is it for functional mastery? And so this may seem like it has nothing to do with fear, but the reason I bring this up is because I know for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people, at least a lot of people that I've talked to, fear comes from the idea of perfection in many ways. Perfectionism is, is an enemy of, of, of all of us, I'm sure, most of us at least. And I think one of the underlying notions that drives perfectionism is, is this fear of, well, I mean, of course, fear of not being good enough, but just fear in general, right? Like the whole breakdown of perfectionism is I can't do this until it's perfect because otherwise it's not good enough or I'm not good enough, right? Which to me is, is somewhat of a fear response. But like sort of reframing this idea of like perfection not even necessarily being the goal or not even being a worthy pursuit to begin with. You see, if you can get 80% of value from 20% of the work, and I mean 20% of 10,000 hours is still a lot, and I do believe you can, then why not try mastering all the things you want to learn? I think there is a limited amount of stuff like any one mind can take in, right? Especially if you're strapped for time, you're a busy person, you know, you got a few things to uh, juggle around, but you don't necessarily have to rush it. You know what I mean? You have plenty of time, realistically. Even if uh, you're advanced in years, you still probably have plenty of time. And to learn a new skill well, I mean, realistically, I think you can learn something really well in a, a focused two weeks to a month, you know? And if you break down a year into like 12 months, right? Say that's 12 new skills you could learn. That's like pretty freaking substantial. Pretty fucking substantial. I mean, if I had been doing that for the past three years of my life, I'd be I'd be borderline, what's that word, for someone that's good at a lot of different things and they got like a big brain, a uh, polyglot maybe? I don't know. Point being, there's a lot you can do with, with maybe less effort than you imagine. And I think tasks can a lot of times grow to be more daunting in our head than they are in real life, right? So... Say I have a deadline, and this happens to me literally all the time, and I, I put it a month out from where I'm at right now. Say I have to make a, I don't know, content strategy for one of my clients in a month. I've found lately that giving myself shorter deadlines, this is something I learned from the four-hour work week. This is rapidly turning into an entrepreneur podcast. I'm sorry. But um, something I realized that like helped me and may not help everybody is actually giving myself a shorter deadline, a shorter lease leash it stresses me out but i've found that i always end up finding a way to get it done if i give myself this strict deadline it's sort of like when you were in school or maybe you're still in school you have that one assignment that just creeps up last minute and you procrastinate you procrastinate you procrastinate and somehow it gets done before the deadline my point is usually the longer you give yourself to do a task the more of a monster it becomes in your mind and the more fear it breeds and fear can tear you apart it really can i mean Looking at sort of world uh, events right now, you have the infamous coronavirus, which is definitely a dangerous virus, right? But if you were to look at the data, I mean, it is it is causing plenty of deaths, but generally in, in older individuals, which is not uncommon for illness. But what it's really been doing is is having a massive impact on the world's economy, as well as just the general sort of, I guess, morale of the of the world's public, right? I mean, it's a great big scare. 
And as much as the actual virus itself does damage to supply chains and the like, I think it is equally as dangerous simply as an agent of fear. I mean, everyone I know is talking about it. Everyone I know is worrying about it. Not that there isn't anything to worry about. I don't want you to think that I'm sort of brushing it aside, but there's likely a lot less to worry about than like Johnny Newsman would have you believe. And I'd say in this modern age, a little bit of a rant, I think that most of the news cycle, especially on TV, but I think even in print, is sort of ruled by a constant dialogue of fear. I mean, fear gets clicks, you know? Fear gets engagement. Fear gets ad revenue, and that's what they need. And with a 24-hour news cycle, you got to always have some hard-hitting story, right? So you got to look for more fearful stuff. I mean, positivity just doesn't stick out in the mind as well, I think, if I'm being 100% honest. It's a little bit disappointing that our brains work against us this way, but, I mean, negative events scary events, uh, uh, terrifying events, are those that are, I'd say, the most likely to stick out in our mind. I mean, if you have one negative experience with someone, that's likely going to be at the forefront of your memory, even if you have 10 other positive experiences, at least until you squash the beef, as the kids say. So I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, sort of fear as it's manifested itself in my life and then go into some sort of broader observations, if you will, but I talked about this a little bit in the past episode, but I always have fear in regards to creating my content. Like every time I go live, every time I make a podcast, it's spooky and it's scary to me. And I've been asking myself for a while, sort of having this constant dialogue with me and my, my trusty little journal, what am I afraid of? And last, last time I did not have the answer to that question. And this time I'm not going to pretend like I have a final answer for it, but I think I have a serviceable answer at the very least. And I, I think to an extent... I'm afraid still of putting myself out there. I'm also, in a way, I almost feel like I'm afraid of succeeding or I'm afraid of my capabilities to succeed, if that makes sense. And let, let me explicate a little further. So for a really long time, I was an individual that suffered deeply from depression. I still do every now and then, you know, I have my bad weeks, bad days, bad months sometimes. But I would say that all in all, I am um, doing quite a bit better in that department. But during my depressive years, which were quite a bit of my years, I'd say over half of my lifetime, I built up a lot of bad habits, uh, a lot of ways to sort of slide through my life since I was not enjoying living it. You know, things like just losing myself in a Netflix binge. And boy, do I love some good cinema. Boy, do I love some good acting. But let me tell you, gamers, I... <laughs> I have been so much Netflix in my day, so much, and sometimes I just ask myself why. I get so much pleasure and joy from actually like sitting down and creating something or learning something, reading a book, I don't know, something wholesome, you know, something that feeds my mind. And as much as I love my cinema and my, my series, I saw a really amazing series recently, True Detective Season 1. I know that my brain sort of has this toxic reliance on even video games in this extent, of these things to pass time, of for me to anxiously procrastinate, for me to feed my fear and keep growing it into the monster in my mind that it is. And I still do this all the fucking time. I mean, <laughs> I honestly don't know too many creators that don't. I was talking recently with a, with a beloved friend, Nato Potato, and he was sort of talking me through the process he uses when he creates. And so Nato is a, a partnered Twitch streamer, someone who... I have been lucky to make friends with. And I was sort of asking him, you know, 
if he has uh if he has you know some sort of secret because he gets so much done and i believe as he said I'm, I'm gonna quote it here man honestly it is hard the most important thing is to set a schedule and stick to it as much as possible I usually wake up at 5.30 a.m. every day, yikes, and would work on content for about 12-ish hours a day, five days a week. What a unit. But it all comes down to strict time management. Anyway, okay, okay. So, you know, that NATO's a badass. That's a, like a lot, of, a lot of work that, honestly, I'm not even sure I could ever do that. Uh, maybe. But I think the reason I, I brought that up is this, like, whole technique of, like, strict time slotting, strict routine. It works for me. I'm, like, a bit of a routine junkie. If I lose that routine, if I'm not really fucking like 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 stern with myself and really organized, my time disappears just to wherever it, it'll go. You know, anything comes up, I'll, I'll 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 flush my time down that hole. And so, I guess in a way, I almost treated my own fear, my own sort of downfalls here. My I guess you could even say anxieties would be accurate by imposing this rigid schedule on myself i almost think of my fear as a separate version of me if that makes sense and my fear is not my friend my fear is sort of that shadow that lingers in the back of my mind sort of like that proverbial two wolves thing you may have heard somewhere before where there's like one wolf in your mind and it's super good and cool and it's hard working and it loves you and it wants you to work out and eat healthy and then there's the other wolf, the bad wolf. And he just wants you to play video games and watch The Office for the 18th time. Not that there's anything wrong with The Office. But that bad wolf just wants you to slip into doing the things that don't really make you happy but give you that temporary release. That temporary release of some happy neurochemical. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a scientist. But a happy neurochemical that is fleeting. It's like the fast food of neurochemicals, if you will. And while like taking in a great piece of art, I don't, I don't want this to me, me ragging against uh, a cinema or TV because I really greatly appreciate acting and, and cinematography. To take in a great piece of art is truly a joy, but to quote, I think it was Riz's older brother. He talked about this in the Joe Rogan experience. Riz's older brother once asked him why him and all of his uh, friends were just like drinking all the time. And... He believed, and I, you know, some, I somewhat disagree with this, but I understand the point. He believed that you should save your drinking for moments of celebration because that's what gives it value. Um, I think kind of the larger lesson here is that like certain things are more valuable in smaller doses, right? Less is more. Uh, binging on things, for me at least, like Netflix and video games, as much as I want to do it, Never leaves me with any lasting sense of satisfaction. However, I do a little bit of work. I have a nice day. Maybe I catch up with a family member. And then I go to the local art cinema and I catch Parasite, a lovely Korean film. That brings me great joy. You know what I mean? In a way, because I feel like I earned that relaxation. Also in a way, because I wasn't just pushing all this content into my head without really appreciating it. I don't know. And, and I guess... I have to understand that about myself, but not only do I have to understand that about myself, there's like a step further I have to take it, right? Because you can understand yourself all day long, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stick to your expectations, however rigid they may be, which is kind of where this imposing of a schedule comes in for me and a routine. But really, I think in a wider sense, I understand that everyone works uh, differently, especially when it comes to work and the like. I think that realistically whatever works for you 
is important for you to do with the caveat that you're bringing in self-awareness, you know, being like realistic and honest with yourself. And for me, it helps to journal this just because my journal feels like a little more objective to me. Like I can be 100% honest with my journal and I can tell my journal uh, like – was I busy today? You know, I may have told three people that I was busy, but how busy was I really? Because I sure fit in a lot of games at Dead by Daylight. You know what I mean? And so, like, as much as a rigid routine works well for someone like NATO, maybe it even works well for me. I, I've never really been able to settle into one, like, fully. It may be the case for you that your process is very different. However, I think it's important to respect that process and to acknowledge this sort of dark side of our mind, that side of our mind that's ruled by fear and instant gratification. And I mean, while these things are sort of separate, uh, in a sense, I guess in the idea of the mind, things like fear and instant gratification are separate. But I think that they, in a way, fall under a similar category, right? I was listening to a podcast a while ago, and an anthropologist was talking about how fear and anger can be chemically addictive in a neurological sense, as in the release of chemicals when you get angry, the release of chemicals when you're terrified, can really be quite a buzz. I mean, if you've ever played a really spooky horror game, you know what I'm talking about. Who doesn't love a good scare, right? But in that sense, I think that you can kind of get hooked on the more unhealthy uh, cycle of fear. As much as I love my spooky movies and my horror games, I mean, the more broader societal sense of fear. The, uh, the things that can actually kind of harm you and, and cause you to start looking at the world in maybe a more negative sense. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Some things about the world are negative. But in my opinion, and I don't think I'm too off base here, I actually think the world's a lot better place than it's often painted to be. I mean, I think realistically speaking, we have a lot of shit still to deal with as a society. But as a, a bit of an optimist myself, I will say that most of my daily interactions with per people on people, you know, like... Not through the internet, not, not, not like the people I see on the TV, but like when I'm in a coffee shop just having a conversation with a random person, it's almost always pretty fucking pleasant. Like I can probably count on one hand the amount of negative face-to-face -face interactions I've had with someone in the past year. And yeah, this year hasn't been going on for too long. But my point is that like when, when two humans are standing there looking at each other, I like to think that empathy sort of bridges a gap, right? And that realistically, I think a lot of us care a lot more about each other than maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we think sometimes. And while there are indubitably racist, sexist, homophobes out there, you know, folks that that wish ill upon people, I actually, I really do not think that's most people. I even think that the people that act that way on the internet, the people that yell about it in Twitch chat, etc., likely are really just crying for help. I mean. I wonder how many of them even believe the bullshit they say, you know what I mean? Or are they really just desperate for attention? Uh, who knows? I'm not a fucking psychologist, but I imagine there's something more to the story like that. And maybe they just need to be shown some love and positivity. Not from me, because I can't fucking stand them, but you know what I mean. And in a way, maybe that's a manifestation of fear. Maybe that's a manifestation of rage. Fear of, of sliding into nothingness. Fear of sliding into obscurity. Something I think about all the time. During coming back to sort of what I what I had mentioned depression earlier, I spent so many days just kind of wasting away. You know what I mean? Like just laying down, sleeping for forever. I mean, you know, the cycle if you've been depressed and let's be honest, it's 2020. We're all depressed. And I always felt so bad about that because I felt like to me I was wasting my life and I knew I was wasting my life, but I just felt powerless to stop it. And as much 
progress as I've made over the past, I guess I'd say year is when I really started digging in. I still have this strong nagging doubt that that part of me, that that's all of me, that that depressed version of me that wastes time and like doesn't get shit done and doesn't believe in himself is my true form and that I'll never be able to escape it. I think that's potentially my greatest fear is that I am my own worst enemy and that I cannot overcome myself in a sense. And I think about that an unfortunately large amount of the time. However, I don't actually believe that's true, but I mean, you know how it is. You have a few different divisions of your mind, and, and some may know things or be self-aware, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can overpower your nagging doubts. And so, I mean, that's something I'm working on, right? But I'm just going to have to crack down really hard with this routine, see how it makes me feel. Sticking to it for a month, we'll see, see how it is. I, I know that's something writers do. They'll be like, I'm going to try this wacky diet for a month and see what happens. That's going to be me with the routine. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll give you status updates, if you will. But I wanted to say we're, we're sort of touching near the end of the podcast here. And, and, and the broader social context of fear, I'm generally not a fan. I think that more often than not, it disinforms. I think it usually doesn't do much of a service to anybody. And honestly, I think... If many of us just went about our lives consuming less news, because the news is almost always negative, we'd probably be better off for it. I mean, I'm all about being well-informed, don't get me wrong, and I used to be a hell of a political junkie, but like, I used to keep up with it way too much, you know what I mean? It, 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 it ate away at my brain. It caused me great stir and great despair. And now I don't do that nearly as much, partially because I'm busier, but partially because I just don't want to, you know? I mean, I always maintain my political beliefs and my values and, and get engaged in community service and nonprofit work, but I don't know that I need to see, like, the, you know, the New York Post every day or whatever. And I pick up most of the news from other people I talk to. I think, uh, actually, Tim Ferriss said this. If it's important, you'll probably hear about it, as long as you're, you know, talking to people. And, I mean... I found that to be true. Uh, just a thought, maybe an exercise, maybe a fun little uh, uh, experiment for the viewers or the listeners if you want to try it out. Take like a week where you just detox from all the information and then and then see how you feel. Uh, I don't know. Let me know. Let me know how it goes. I'd actually love to know. I'm, I'm, I'm quite curious, but I've gotten a lot of benefit from that a lot of joy from that and just kind of focusing more on the interactions i have with people in real life which like i said are by and large positive and even the people i meet on the internet uh by and large positive interactions has definitely like helped me uh grow into a slightly more positive state of mind i mean like i said i have a lot of work still to do but i can feel myself you know kind of rising out of the um of the hole i used to be in and so i'm incredibly thankful for that so just to cap off the podcast here, this was a major grunge on fear. To quote Kendrick Lamar, if I could smoke fear away, I would roll that motherfucker up. I stream on Twitch.tv Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays at 7 p.m. EST, and we release this sweet and saucy podcast every Tuesday. Soon there's going to be some cute new graphics, and I'm very excited to debut them to you. I'm hoping soonish to have like a video version of the podcast going up on YouTube as well as live streaming these episodes. And once we uh, release 10 podcast episodes or 
something like close to 10, I'm going to start bringing on guests and we're going to start having cool and good conversations. So if you would like to come on or you know someone that would like to come on, message me on Discord or Twitter or Instagram or any of those and we can talk. I would love to have many conversations. So until next time, my gamers, Gorsh. this is Major Grunge signing off.